welcome to Houndsy, the Steel Army Podcast. I'm Dan Yost, and along with me today is a, uh, a pretty full house of guests ready to break down this El Paso win in an upcoming Tampa Bay game. And we're now 10 matches into the season, so alas, we can look at the table. And to join me for this uh, this fun trip down the uh, down the podcasting road, we got uh, first, as, uh, as always, because when I ask him how he's doing, he's going to give me some weird stat or, or factoid. Logan, how you doing, man? Damn, you really put me on the spot there. I didn't have anything. I was going through my head. I was like, oh, man, what can I really fire out? But, yeah, rough day. So uh, we'll, uh, we'll get you next time. We'll get, I'll, get, I'll, I'll give you two next time. I'll okay. I was just assuming you had, like, in your notes, you had something ready to go. No, but, my notes are, or if you could, well, this is a podcast. I just did a, an imaginary opening book with uh, my hands. But that is, those are my notes for this podcast. This podcast, uh, I do the least amount of work for it of everybody on this podcast. And I literally just jump on and, and try to add uh, any of my horrible sports soccer takes. So that's really my job here. And I got to show that uh, that preparation really comes through in the product, my man. I love it. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, also joining us today is Yak. Yak, you got any good anecdotes to fill in for uh, for Logan dropping the ball there? No, I'm here. I'm tired of hockey making me sad. It is officially full-time soccer season all day, every day. Well, that's kind of a positive for the purposes of, of this podcast. But um, but yes, it was sad times in the past week or so. It uh, depends. Pretty much shit the bed three games straight. Leading in all three games as well, but uh, this is not a hockey podcast. This is a soccer podcast, and who better to be on a soccer pack, soccer podcast, especially one about the USL, than Mister Bet the USL, Tim Lawson. Tim, how you doing, my man? I'm doing very good, thank you. Thank you so much for for having me. Always excited when I get to sit around and talk uh, USL with uh, with some people. How many people in this world can say that statement with with actual sincerity? Uh, I, I don't know. Uh, maybe, I don't know. How many people were at uh, Highmark on Saturday? At least that many people. 3,700, right? something like that? Yeah. But yeah. Uh, Tim was, uh, was made his, his virgin pilgrimage to Highmark Stadium, so he's going to give us his thoughts on, uh, on Highmark and then uh, some thoughts around the league and uh, pretty much all, this, all the topics we got going on today. And that first topic will be... The Hounds 1-0 victory over El Paso this past Saturday at Highmark Stadium. It was the first meeting between these two teams. El Paso joining the league a couple years ago. and Back then, before the the, the teams did uh, cross-conference play and didn't meet up in those limited uh, inter-conference matchups last year. So the first time we've seen El Paso, they come to Highmark. They... Go away without any points. The Hounds take them all in that 1-0 victory. Uh, Russell Cicerone goal in the 46th minute. And before we get into the um, the details, well, we'll give the lineup first, and we'll get everyone's thoughts on that lineup. The lineup for the Hounds was Silva in net for the second week straight. Uh, Mikael Williams and Ordonez and Wheat in the back line. Dixon, Dos Santos, Forbes, Griffin make up the midfield. And then some combination of Kelly, Argudo, Cicerone up top. Uh, Yak, when you saw this lineup, what were your initial thoughts? Uh, pulling out the big guns for just about everybody. I was glad that Cicerone is getting this spot to start for once. Um, the only person who I don't think has a legitimate save for top 11 on any given week is probably Mikhail Williams. But I think he played because El Paso isn't particularly tall and he fit better defensively than Jelani Peters. But, uh. Aside from that, 
yeah, that's that's just about the top of eleven. Uh, Logan, similar thoughts on that, or um, did you have different ideas when uh, when five fifteen rolled or six fifteen rolled around and there was a lap to look at? Funny you say that. I didn't actually look at the lineup. Um, one of the few times with cleaning up tailgate thunder drunk. Uh, I had to capo for the first half, had to get that ready, had to get the section ready, didn't even hear the lineup. So uh, one of the very few times I kind of just uh, let <laughs> let, the, let the game happen, um, actually didn't even look at it until the next morning um, and kind of kind of got my, my wits about me. But, yeah, I think it, it's, it goes back to what we talked about every week, and it's Lily just finding the – I don't think there is a – a 11 right i don't think it's oh this guy is in for this guy who usually plays in the 11 i think it's it's a different combination of guys like yak said depending on the opponent uh that's how lily you know chooses <sighs> picks and chooses who starts who does it i think it was nice to get jelani arrest uh you'll have to fact check me probably started every every game or pretty close to it this year um so good to get him arrest he came in pretty late in the game so um you know good solid lineup uh, you know, no Dane Kelly, but I guess, you know, he's been off the bench most of the year um, and he's done well in that role. Um, and again, it's just the same questions every week. Where's Chase Fostick? Where the heck is Toby Sims? Uh, Robbie Dambrot. Uh, Robbie was in the, the 18, I believe, but uh, just where are these, where are these guys that come in and don't seem to do anything, you know, critically wrong. And uh, Bob banishes them <laughs> for months on end. So I think it, looking at the lineup after the game, that was my biggest spot is just, you know, where where are these guys? And are we ever going to see, you know, like a Jesse Williams cracking eighteen, something like that? A Willie Eang cracking eighteen? You know, he has a little bit this year, but uh, just interesting. A lot of a lot of rotation. Um, but like we said this year with the Hounds, that they they have the ability to do that um, because of the depth. Funny thing you bring up Jesse Williams though. The Hounds just did the the happy birthday tweet for Jesse, and it's always the awkward when the the photo of him is he in. Didn't, the, he didn't have a photo of him. It's him in, in a training, training talk. Photo. Yeah, because he's, yeah, he's never been thing. photographed in a uniform. That's that's I always the same rough. Thing. Yeah. Ugh, that's rough. Uh, Tim, thoughts on on the lineup, and then uh, may your kind your 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 overall thoughts uh, on the match itself. Um, well, usually, uh, for, for both curiosity and betting purposes, I definitely like to see lineups, uh, when they're announced, usually my bets are in by that point, but it'll maybe, uh, inform, uh, in-game opportunities or whatever it may be. Um, uh, I, I don't, I'm not as big of a, you know, fan where I get down on the depth chart as, 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 uh, you know, loyals are to their, uh, to their club, uh, but of course, you know, making sure that seeing Dane Kelly uh, back in in the starting lineup, seeing uh, Dixon and Cicerone, and uh, seeing them there, you know, made me feel like the you know the Hounds had a strong, uh, like from my perspective, those were some of the key players that I was looking for uh, in the in the starting eleven. And uh, look, you know, El Paso, I thought put out uh, for for going on the road, uh, I thought they put out a. I think a starting eleven that we anticipated, um, but yeah, nothing really. It's what I expected from the players that I pay attention to. That's that's the caveat there. <laughs> yeah, uh, as best I could tell, it, it the the formation looked for a while kind of three four two one with with Kelly being the guy up top, and then when you check afterwards, you check the the average position. Later on, it was actually Kelly and Cicerone kind of playing a, a dual role, do role up top, which I didn't pick up from from the supporter section. It seemed like Kelly was doing uh, putting the the bigger shifts, um, but 
obviously Cicerone came with, with the goal down the left side on that cross. Um, my biggest takeaway after I kind of was openly weeping a week ago on this show about how uh, Cristiano Francois was going to absolutely score against the Hounds, that did not happen, luckily. Uh, Dos Santos had a, had a rough go of it trying to be the guy essentially defending against Francois, uh, picked up a yellow card, fouled Francois a couple times, one of them being in range-ish to put a ball on target, uh, but gladly did not result in a goal. He got yanked fairly early, but to me, the, the top-line thing, uh, Francois, who, who absolutely destroyed the Hounds last year in a couple games with Miami, uh, didn't score uh, this year uh, this week for El Paso. Uh, Yak, what were your other takeaways? I actually think Dos Santos kind of played very well. Really? Um, yeah, I, I thought he did well both defensively keeping Francois in check and also contributing offensively. Um, he had a, a shot. He had a volley shot towards us in the second half that I didn't realize he had in them, and it was kind of unlucky to not score. Um, but he was pulled really early because he got he got a well-deserved yellow like midway through the first half, and then he fouled Francois, and Francois totally took a dive. But the ref, his hand was like halfway in his pocket and like double pump fake before he decided not to give Dos Santos a second yellow. And Bob saw that and immediately pulled Dos Santos. Like, we can't risk another like breeze on Francois because he's going to sell it again and give Dos Santos a red. Um, I thought Dos Santos played well. We rewatching the game was a vacuum out there. Like, nothing was happening down his side. He was so good forcing a bunch of interceptions. Um, uh, shutting shutting down the right side like kind of by himself. Um, Dixon played a lot higher than normal, especially on defense. Normally he comes back pretty quickly. He was he was playing this kind of four man front on defense with Cicerone, Argudo, and and Dane Kelly. He was much more of a bona fide midfielder than he normally is, where he sits back and pushes forward. It was kind of something interesting to see. Um, but those are probably my three top players I thought played the best. Uh, Dixon, Dos Santos, and Wheat. So we have we have one vote for Dos Santos playing well, one for him not playing well. Tim or Logan, you any either of you guys want to try to break this uh, break this draw? Have have a thought on them? Well, I was I was taking in high mark uh, in its entirety, uh, but I, I will say that Dos Santos is a player that I pay attention to when he's on and off the pitch. In fact, uh, Decor coming on, Dos Santos coming off, like both of those substitutions are ones where had I been like, if I was at home live betting, I would have started betting uh, for, for goals to come because Dos Santos uh, leads the Riverhounds in, uh, in conce- uh, conceded goals per 90 at just 0.35. It's best on the, uh, in, uh, among the defenders. So um, I, I didn't, not when I was nothing about his play alarmed me, um, and I definitely think that the the Hounds back line is better with is, is at its best with him. Interesting, Logan. What are your thoughts on him, or at least on him uh, as as it relates to this game? Uh, not not many thoughts on Dos Santos overall. Uh, that's a, a good stat, Tim. Um, I didn't I didn't really notice him, which is a good thing, right? Um, but as far as the game, I think the only thing. 
you know, I want to bring up is before we came on air, Tim saying that he thought the Hounds were going to get another one or another two, which is, uh, which is kind of what I left the game thinking when you look at the, the Cicerone goal, uh, standing wide open in the box next to two guys that weren't marked either, um, kind of had, had his pick of it. Um, you thought with that kind of defense and, and the Hounds attack that we would get a, another one. Um, and the PK call, I think, uh, deserves a little talking about. Um, obviously, in the USL, there's no VAR. Uh, it's hard to find slowed down replays, screenshots, all that stuff. Um, I'd like to kind of get the ref thought process into uh, what Kevin Silva did that was so egregious that he took the chance uh, from an El Paso player to, to score the goal that it was a penalty kick. Uh, I, I wasn't really sure on that one you know growing up playing soccer it's always you know the goalie has every right to go up for the ball in his hands um if you're going up you're kind of risking it so uh, i didn't see anything pk worthy there granted with a bias and whatnot yo so i'd like your kind of ref opinion on that um you know changed my mind but uh left the game kind of thinking you know that was a a, a really harsh call for the hounds yeah i'm i'm probably as much of a, of a ref apologist as, as anyone around here is that call was pretty pretty horrid okay. I mean you look it, it wasn't it wasn't pushing it wasn't jumping into um, he I, I, I don't I, yeah I mean I think the giveaway to to that being a not a great call is that the whistle blows he points to the spot and basically 22 players look over at him with a sense of disbelief. Like there was no one that immediately celebrated the obvious penalty call. Like yes, we got that call. There was it was a, it took everyone a moment to actually realize what was happening, and then there was the the protests or grabbing the ball, you know, whatever you're gonna do from your your sides. Uh, and there wasn't even a big a big protest for the call in that moment between the contact and the whistle. Um, I just when you see pretty much every player look over, see the call, and take a moment to to kind of process what what's just been called should be a sign that um at least from from a player perspective that no one saw that coming but i don't know um yeah but of all the of all the penalties against the hounds this year that is probably gonna be the first one that i really feel was hard to justify in any way but alas uh tim did you get a look at the uh, at that that penalty there late in the game? I'm assuming, I'm assuming you did, but um, may look uh, a little bit different from the grandstand. Um, it all you know, it's it, something that you don't really appreciate. Uh, you know, it's disappointing to not have VAR. You know, but in real, you know, the perspective from the grandstand is very different from like the camera angles you have, the opportunity to like sort of digest what you saw and see it again, and the replay that uh, when it happened in real time. I was kind of indifferent about it. I was like, oh, okay. And then later when I got home and I started starting the replays, I joined uh, El Paso in there sort of like, oh, we're being, this, <laughs> this is going our way. Uh, I, I um, yeah, after seeing replays uh, in the grand, when I was in, a, when I was in the stands, it all happened. Uh, it happened quickly enough where I was like, oh, okay, I guess it's okay. They're going to call a penalty. All right, fine, whatever. And then I saw the replay. I was like, yeah, don't know about that. Yeah, and looking at the penalty, it's the penalty take itself. The, Silva, obviously, I hate I hate the phrase "guesses the right way" because uh, a lot of time there it's not a guess; it's it's reading by language or scouting or something like that to let you know what a tendency is. So I hate the idea of guessing the right way. 
But he goes the right way, and let's be fair, it was not a great penalty attempt. Oh, it was a terrible take. Absolutely horrific. Ter- half a horrific penalty take. Yeah, as someone who as someone who had the over in that match, I was disappointed, but not only by the the hounds hitting the woodwork once or twice, but like uh, the, the the sort of nail in the coffin being this horrendous penalty take. I mean, I, sometimes like you know, there's there's sometimes where I mean, obviously if you're a hounds fan, uh, you you loved it, um, but yeah. It's one of the there's these things that you see players they 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 they, you know they get loose they have the ball by themselves open net whatever may be and they like mess it up you're like whatever I guess sometimes but like penalties I feel like you you it's your job to like to to do that at a certain level and I feel like the the amount of times I've seen uh, players you know not take a quality penalty uh, is it's it's almost alarming. Yeah and. Because it, it seemed, as I went back and, and watched it, it, there wasn't a real confusion or uh, argument about who was taking it. Clearly, they, they had a designated penalty taker. He steps up, confidently, you know, sets the ball down and does nothing that makes you think he's he's not, you know, fully confident about what he's about to do. Doesn't do the stutter step, doesn't do the stop step, any of those things that seem to always be the a, a nail in the coffin for a good penalty take. And he just he puts the thing his, seven so feet to, again, uh, to Silva's right. I'm watching it again. His his body language is is le- le- uh, like he's almost like watching that corner. He looks at he looks at that corner a couple times, and he takes a really nice like he has a great pace to the ball, and then the ball does not match the pace in which he like ran up to it. it it's all, like he almost defies physics in a way, and and how and that that ball should have been going much faster towards the net. And, and but oh well. Now Silva said in, in a post the post match press conference that he he I forget what the quote was, but he basically said it wasn't a guess where he was going. He didn't want to elaborate on what he what he saw or what his what his methodology was, but uh, Silva definitely alluded to the idea that he wasn't just guessing. It was something long, he saw. Long con in case we get El Paso in the final, and Spence holding on to his secrets. Or he just well, it's not just that, but it's whatever he looks at for any potential uh, PK taker. Doesn't want to give it's away like, whatever it's like he's in, looking at. It's like in poker when you fold and then don't tell the people what cards you had. Right. Oh well. Now here's my my th- question for you, three fine gentlemen. Up until that penalty attempt, do you feel like El Paso ever threatened? Yeah, we'll start with you. Uh, so I I went and found the uh, the expected goals thing that the Steelers maybe tweeted from Gameflow. Um, after about the sixty ish minute, which is when Cicerone had a couple like point blank chances to the PK, it was like no events on the field whatsoever. It was it was very classic Lily Ball. Like aside from Rivera's uh um bicycle kick attempt, like nobody was doing anything. El Paso was dead. They couldn't get anything going. To begin the first half or the second half, they had so many uh like almost disastrous backline interceptions or dribbling out of bounds or something. Their their offense was totally shut down for the duration of when we were winning, aside from the PK call. So that's a no, I believe. That's a no. Yeah. Tim, agree with that or see it differently? Uh, yeah, so 
the uh, the XG count at the end of the game uh, uh, via footy stats, who I use for for my stats, uh, 2.22 for Pittsburgh, 1.26 for El Paso, and a lot of that one uh, out of El Paso comes obviously from the PK. Uh, and I think they had they had one chance uh, in the first half that I thought um, they could have. Uh, they did, well, they had a couple runs that I thought they could have gotten a little more quality out of what they did, and one that they already get on get on frame. But uh, yeah, I mean that PK is definitely accounting for more than half of that XG. And Pittsburgh, uh, you know, definitely should have had closer to two of that two point two two that they had. So uh, El Paso uh, definitely look El Paso's XG going into this game on the road was averaging like uh, 0.73 or something like that. It's got, it went up just as a tick um, after the Pittsburgh game. But um, for as much as people are hooting and hollering about how this team like has like a, it has so much potential and they, they're starting to get it right, I mean, they're racking up they're racking up chances against teams that aren't all that great. Like, you know, they had, uh, they, they took, um, Monterey Bay five to nil LA galaxy four to nil. Right. And those are, those are games where their stats and their metrics are getting inflated in my opinion, but, uh, put them up against a team that uh, that has any sort of quality to it, like the Hounds, or like when they played uh, played New Mexico or San Antonio. They just they can't create chances like uh, like they do in these sort of high flying matches. So uh, I think El Paso is a paper paper t- tiger and one that I think more teams are going to take advantage of than not. And the Hounds did, but barely. Although barely with one the net, but. Like, yeah. So no, I, show, they they control play without look, having, they San didn't Anto- have much of the ball though. San Antonio will tell you you only have to win one nil to dominate the league. So uh, you know I know we, we all want to see like uh, our teams win two three by two three goals, but um, you know other than that penalty and like maybe one or two chances in the first half, like Pittsburgh was clearly in control of that game. There was almost no doubt that that Pittsburgh uh, was was. Um, you know, setting pace, setting control, like, yeah, uh, which is interesting because I don't know if, does this seem right? The, uh, the post game stats show a 50, 50 split in possession. But this doesn't seem right. Like that, that can't be right. right? Where, wait, where are you it pulling that from? 40, 60. That's from 40 stats. Uh, yeah, that's also on footy stats, but, um, I don't feel like I, I think possession is, uh, one where they, don't. it was, it was 40, 60, but we've never been a team that's needed possession to, Put up a bunch of shots or, or put up goals. Right. We've we've won a lot of games having forty percent possession like that. I I think we we're perfectly content conceding El Paso possession. Which was I found I when I saw because I I was pulling stats off the USO website and there was something close to that that forty sixty, and yeah, I that seems right. I I was surprised it was that big of a difference, and I didn't break it down by half because I feel like Pittsburgh had a lot more of the ball. It was both. It was almost the same for both halves, wow. which I was a little surprised by. I yeah. thought, okay, maybe we just kind of bunkered down in the second half, but it was pretty consistent. Now, my next question, and this goes to Logan. Silva, PK stop, couple of distri- uh, distributions and, and punts going out of play. Where does the, uh, where's the, the goalkeeper depth chart sit for you right now? I was wondering as I was actually in the shower the other day and I was thinking about this, if I was Bob Lilly and I got this question in a presser and if I was the media asking him this, how he went about picking Kevin Silver, how he even goes about picking a goalie 
for each week and how much of it is last guy's current performance. Obviously, Jamali Waite makes a mess of one, gets pulled. Um, you look back, Austin Pack, 2019, made a mess of one, didn't, didn't see the field the rest of the, the season. Um, how much of it that goes into it? How much of a guy on the opposite end that's playing hot, you know, you, you want the hot hand in there. And how much of it is just the guy's attitude and how hard he works in practice, right? Um, plus game planning, things like that. I'd want to know Bob's take on how all of those things, what percentage he weighs those. Um, but I imagine uh, Bob's a pretty reasonable guy, so I have to imagine it's the, it's the hot hand. Um, I don't think there's a number one keeper right now. I think when Silva makes a mistake or gives up an easy one or, or takes a bad, you know, gives a bad penalty on, on a lunge, anything, uh, I think you're going to see Jamali Waite back in there. Um, an injury or something changes, you might see Chase Foster back in there. Uh, I think that's the most fluid position right now uh, for the Hounds. Um, interesting. I don't think there is is a depth chart at all. I think there's three guys that have keeper hits, um, and, and any of them can play at any given time. Um, and as fans, I don't think uh, I don't think Lily starting any three of them shocks anybody nowadays with, with with how this season's kind of panned out. Well, we're certainly at the point where any name, any of those three names, could show up on the uh, on the starting graphic, and and you can't be that surprised. Yak, do you also agree that there's actually not a depth chart at this point, and it's just. Um as the wind blows or as current conditions exist or who has the best practice or who's played the hot hand or whatever conditions you want to throw out there as opposed to just a solid one, two, three. Chase Vosvik would assert that there probably is a depth chart, at least for him, but between the other two guys, no, at this point, it's whichever, probably whoever does better at practice or something. I, I don't know. I, I'm not sure if there's a rhyme or reason between the, uh, between white or, uh, Kevin Silva. Tim, how often, looking across the, the landscape of, of soccer, do you see a team doing this fairly well and basically have split their starts amongst three keepers and there's no defined number one? So, you know, I followed the Washington spirit for a handful of years, uh, you know, the women's team here in D.C., uh, and they had uh, Kelsey Weiss and Steph LeBay rotating and, Steph LeBay, of course, at the time was competing for the goalkeeper position and oftentimes getting it for the Canadian national team. Uh, yet Kelsey Weiss was often getting starts, especially down the stretch. And, you know, we had a big head scratcher of like, why, you know, why is Weiss getting the, the, the times in goal instead of the, instead of uh, someone who's playing for a skilled national team and Weiss, you know, went through the end of the season playoffs and into the championship. And they ended up ultimately losing that final in PKs, but uh, you know, a, a coach knows, right? I think, I think, uh, when it comes to goalkeepers, good coaches, um, you know, they, I, th- I feel like of all the positions, uh, that's one in which uh, a coach really uses their intuition or observation. And I think, um, you know, we can, we can opine as, as much as we want, but, uh, clearly, uh, he has, uh, <laughs> you know, we can all stand in the shower and wonder what the system is. We're probably never going to get there. Uh, but I think you can't argue the fact that, uh, that you know, he definitely has a finger on the pulse of when it, how his uh, goalkeepers are performing. Do you, do you guys happen to know which two games Fosvik played? The first, first two. First two. Me- Memphis and who was after Memphis? Hartford. Home, home Hartford, yeah. Okay. Um, I don't know. It's so – 
looking at it uh, on goals conceded per 90, you've, uh, you know, Vosvik and Wade both played two games. Vosvik is giving up, a, a, you know, just a half a goal per 90, Wade a full goal per 90, Silva, of course, for the six games, uh, 0.83. Um, you know, it's difficult, you know, to, you have to start, you have to look at like strength of schedule. Vosvik, you know, has, you know, he had the benefit of the red card and then Hartford, who's not good. So, um, you can't really look at, uh, his metric there, but, uh, I, in my opinion, I think Silva, um, I would say, so I would, the, in the little bit that I have done to evaluate, uh, Pittsburgh goalkeepers, uh, Silva one, a white one B would be. I, I would be interested in possibly taking the over in a game in which Wait was the goalkeeper. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Now yeah. that I'm looking at shoes a spreadsheet, I think I'm I think I'm gonna agree with Tim there because uh, Waits only played the Open Cup and then a couple games after because he uh, was the hot hand after Cincinnati. Uh, and I think since that has now gone, it's kind of Silver's job to lose. Yeah. So we are all expecting Silva uh, down in Tampa, is what I'm hearing. Yeah. yeah. So yes, Vosvik, the job is yours, my man. <laughs> <laughs> so Tim, this was your first trip to uh, to Highmark Stadium, uh, yes, sir. Maybe first trip to Pittsburgh. Technically, my second trip to Pittsburgh. I was there for work for like a handful of hours. Like drove up in the morning, did some things, and then drove right back. That was years ago. But this is the first time I had spent like personal time in Pittsburgh. Yes. Yeah. So this this is the first trip. So. As someone who's not a local, not um, not in the weeds with uh, with the club or with the team at all, give us your your experience at Highmark Stadium. Good, bad, ugly, otherwise. Uh, definitely good. You know, I have been ever since I've sort of fallen in love with the USL. I have been, you know, interested in checking out other atmospheres, other stadiums, other other uh, clubs and their supporters. And of course, as, as people know, my my home team or my local team, I, I should say, is the is Loud United, which has zero culture. The stadium is not appealing. Uh, we have we have shipping containers for restrooms. Uh, the supporter section has a total of like six people in it on any, on any given day, uh, and the away side def- usually has more fans in it than the than the home side. So um, it's not the right atmosphere to get, uh, but. So I went down to so, Char- I went down to Charlotte, uh, you know, a year or la- it must have been uh, last year, but COVID ended up getting the the game canceled. So Pittsburgh being my first non Loudon trip, and it was it was what I had hoped it was. I had sort of gl- romanticized it a little bit after seeing Highmark on uh, on the broadcast with the river in the background and the atmosphere there. Uh, and it did not disappoint. I loved seeing that there was like multiple people. Usually, when you go to a soccer match, which you like a smaller tier, tier one, you see like the one group that that uh, that pre, uh, pregames or tailgates. Uh, it was nice to see there was multiple groups that did that. Your guys' group, I have to admit, was a little, even a little bit bigger than I uh, would have anticipated, even after seeing uh, you know what that group looks like uh, on the broadcast. Uh, the you know my wife joined me. She loved the view from uh, from the stands there at Highmark with Pittsburgh as the as the backdrop. Uh, I imagine probably Colorado Springs might be the only other uh, you know stadium in the league that has uh, a breathtaking view from the stands like that. Um, uh, we loved the lady giving up jello shots at the tail <laughs> at the tailgate. Uh, in fact, when I asked my wife, I was like, "Hey, I'm gonna do I'm gonna do Houndsy later. Do you have any notes on the, on the game?" She was like, "Loved the view. 
Jello Shot Lady was awesome. <laughs> Those were her two notes. Uh, Maria so, is a legend. That's all we gotta yes. say. There's nothing. There's, there's nothing more disappointing than going to any sort of fan related activity, whether it's pre gaming or whether it's uh, like seeing at a bar or tailgating or pre game, whatever it may be, and like not feeling welcome, right? And we don't know any of you guys. We walked up. We didn't feel like anybody was like why are the new people here right it was it was uh, a warm welcome which uh, which we appreciated as well i will say my my only if i was to, to if i was to, to uh you know submit my comment card um this the in-stadium food concessions left a bit to be desired um yeah i don't think anybody is gonna argue that yeah it, it was I guess it was surprising when the tailgate zone that the stadium had had like the quality food trucks, the good, you know, the, the, you know, the, the vendors there and you get inside and like immediately you see there's a bar there, but like where we were in the stands, it was easiest to get to sort of the vendors at the other end of the stadium. And like the pretzels ran out by like the 30th minute, uh, which, um, which uh, I, I don't know. I don't know why I thought pretzels had more longevity in a, in a concession stand, but um and then, like, we got we got nachos with, like, barely enough cheese to enjoy the nachos with. Uh, the hot dog looked like it had been in there since the last match. Um, uh, like, little, little things like that. I was like, ah, this, this is probably an area of improvement. But as far as, like, the, the atmosphere, everybody, like, there was, no, there was no dick fans, too, which I really enjoyed, right? No one was uh, being, you know, overly obnoxious or uh, constantly... Re- there's nothing worse than watching a broadcast and hearing someone in the stands uh, yell at the ref every 30 seconds. Um, and so it was, uh, while there's always criticism for the officiating in at a soccer match, uh, it wasn't obnoxious or, or um, you know, overwhelming. Anyway, you know what's, so. what's field always has that, the obnoxious guy yelling right into the mic? It's loud. There's a guy at Loudon all the time. Yeah. Uh, I do not sit next to the mic. I just want to make that very clear. Okay. <laughs> no, it's, it's definitely not your voice either, but yeah. oh my. Is, is Yeah. Every time Pittsburgh plays Loudon, there is some guy. He, he knows where the mic is, and he's just every single whistle. It's a comment. It's amazing. By the way, Memphis is on a, up on LA 3-0 going into the half. A team that team's on fire right now. I watched yeah. them last Friday play Charleston. They are on fire. They are they are they are very good. But yeah, and the funny thing is, concessions was something that the, the club thought they were improving this past off season. They brought in a new vendor. I will. I'll, I'll say this. I know at, at some point this year, I, I rinsed the hounds for their soft pretzel game. Um, I, I received. I think it was the home opener. I received an absolutely brutal soft pretzel. Uh, I got one, and like Tim said, they did sell out at the one stand. I was disappointed right after halftime. So I did venture to our concession stand. I got a pretzel. Uh, as, as a soft pretzel connoisseur, like a 9.8 out of 10. It, it slapped incredibly hard. I was very okay. impressed. It was like it, 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 it put like butter on it. Like it was it was it was incredibly impressive. I was I was very impressed with them. It was uh, two guys I'd never seen before. I don't know if like they're like paying employees now to come work because usually it's volunteers from like local soccer committees or whatnot, I think for most part. Um, or it has been in the past at some point. Um, but yeah, the, the pretzel right after halftime, I was starving too. So it worked out well, but yeah, kudos to the hounds. I will rescind my soft pretzel slander at Highmark stadium. Um, you, you guys really redeemed yourself, but it all depends on where you get the soft pretzels. Apparently it does. Or, it, do, it does. Or, no, or if he, you get a soft, it pretzel. wasn't that it wasn't that it was bad. It's just that you couldn't get one by halftime. Maybe because they're so damn good now. Who knows? Hot commodity. 
Yeah. Well, we can uh, we can clip this uh, this part and send it off to Vic, and he can he can respond in kind or something like that. But moving on, we are now da 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 ten games into the season, which means we can look at the table. Uh, I know they did this on Mongols a few weeks ago. Also, shout out to the USL for not previous years. The USL on their social medias would put out a um a sta- a, a table graphic after every single week, including week one. And uh, this this year, they didn't put out anything until week 10. And if that means uh, that we have successfully uh, got the league to stop uh, looking at the table prematurely, then uh, I think we have done a, a hell of a job. But looking at the table, and this is actually going to be uh, a live look as of a few minutes before 9 o'clock here on Wednesday night. Uh, Hounds currently sitting third because Detroit... Uh, is leading probably a few minutes away from winning the game. That'll bump them in the second. Basically, your, your playoff teams right now are Louisville, Detroit, Pittsburgh, Memphis, Tampa, Indy, and the Miami, and then Birmingham, Tulsa uh, on the outside. And then there's a bit of a drop-off to Hartford, Loudoun. And then the, the two teams plus Charleston. Uh, and so I guess we'll start off with that. Uh, ten, 10 games in, or at least 10 games in for the Hounds. Uh, any of you guys have any any major surprises one way or the other? Teams that uh, better than expected, worse than expected? Uh, just general trends uh, on your first glance of the table. Charleston's horrific. <laughs> well, there. Go ahead. <laughs> That's all. That, that was my point. Say it again. <laughs> I said Charleston's horrific. And I well, I'll have my thoughts on Charleston here in a second. Anyone else want to grab on anything besides Charleston? Yak. They've already been mentioned twice, and they were my note in the uh, in our rundown. Uh, since Memphis is currently beating the hell out of LA, uh, Memphis is good. Yeah, they are. Which I would not expect based on what we did to them in Week One of the season. I thought there was nothing special about this team, and they're going to be whatever again. Is that and is there a case of the Pittsburgh got lucky getting them in Week One, and then I mean the red card wasn't was lucky because it was a deserved red card, but yeah, deserved red card, but yeah, the the. Deserved red card, but still a red card in game one on the road. Like there was no, with no context to who this team was going to be without Kyle Murphy. Like the only way they could have gotten out of that game with people saying, oh, this team might actually be good is if they would have, if they would have won, right? With that, like if they would have like actually upset. Otherwise it would have been, maybe a draw would have, would have garnered that a little bit. But um, after losing Kyle Murphy, the, the, everybody, I mean, no one believed in this team. Everyone's like, well, their striker's gone. Now what are they going to do? Well, they've proven they're going to get really creative and dan- and just create tons of opportunities that that defenses aren't prepared for. And uh, this team went, I want to say five or six straight league games without falling without trailing. Like they were they um, they played like four or five straight league games without uh, playing from behind once, which is something we only expect out of uh, you know the elite teams. And so uh, I think uh, Memphis is. Uh, look, I think Detroit's. I don't think there's any question that Detroit is like the surprise of the season when you look at like odds from the beginning of the season of like what everybody expected out of these teams. But teams like Memphis are going to be like I think are going to be Detroit's uh, wake up call that they're not. Uh, you know, they may not be as being. It may not be better than as many teams in the league as they think they might be. What's everyone's thoughts on on Indy? Because that's a team. Uh, a lot, you know, kick off the season by losing at Loudon. Uh, they get two points out of the first four matches. Then they lose to St. Louis two in the Open Cup, 
And then from that point on, they've uh, they've gotten hot, uh, rattled off four wins in a row. They did stumble this past weekend uh, at Memphis, the aforementioned Memphis. Is Indy good? Or are they? Yes. All right. The, moving on then. Or would you like to elaborate? I, um, not only do I, so I think so I think they're I think they're somewhere between okay and good. And they're getting better. Um, look, we have to take their win, their four game win streak with a grain of salt, right? It's over uh, a regressed RGV, a bad Atlanta. Uh, they had a really impressive win over Orange County, which I think was the signal that oh snap, maybe this team's putting together. And then they kept Hartford, who isn't good but does can find the back of the net. They kept them goalless. So um, and then losing to Memphis, I mean, so what? You went on the road to Memphis and you lost. I think there's going to be a lot of teams that experience that this season. So uh, they kept Louisville one one at the beginning of the season. I think that's something that you know that, that that's impressive and that was the first result they got of uh of the season actually i took indy 80 to 1 uh to win it all uh going into uh the weekend's matches uh because i think this team is going to be a playoff team and i think by the time they get there they're going to be uh they're going to be competitive interesting uh, yeah i mean that that orange county win that's their signature win and that could be their sig- signature win of of the year and still be a yep. good team but and I mean, they have it, they got they got tons of favors from the schedule makers. They have a schedule that breathes really well um, where, you know, they just got the, you know, uh, they go and play a tough Orange County and then they have, then they come, they get the or they play a tough Orange County. Then they get one more they had a game against a not great Hartford at home. They have to go into Memphis, tough game, but then they get to come home for for New York, uh, who isn't good. New Mexico, who has shown inconsistency. And then they go on a road to Charleston and they go into Miami and then they find like Miami, uh, Colorado, back to back road games is when their sort of schedules first starts getting tough with sort of back to back games like that. So, um, you know, they the schedule makers did them a huge favor with the scheduling early on for a new coach to come in there, put, get a system in place and get this team used to it. So I think this team's going to surprise some people. Nice. Uh, mentioned before, I, I have some thoughts on, on Charleston. If you go back to the, our preview show, when we were asking, we were, the question was who's going to be your, your surprise, good team. I proudly, you know, was beating the drum for the Charleston battery. And uh, that has not come true at all. Uh, four points in their first nine matches. Lost to Tormenta in the Open Cup uh, at home, nonetheless. Uh, been really, really poor. And I, I have some... I'm a bit upset as a fan of one old guard club uh, towards another old guard club. You let, you let Mike Inhauser go after 22 years, uh, 17 years as the head coach. He basically had one poor season in... 2021, which was also a weird scheduling with COVID type of thing, got placed with some some other decent teams and, and was rough. But he gets out of that season at uh, 1.15 points per game. They kind of unceremoniously give him the boot in early November. Uh, again, there was a new owner that came in there a couple, two seasons before. And you thought maybe when he came in, they... They'd make the, the transition then, new ownership, go in a new direction. But they, they, they you know, stay on the tracks. Two years later, they, they give him the boot after not making the playoffs for the first time. And, I mean, I, I want to say forever and that it's an exaggeration, but not a huge one. So you bring in uh, Connor Casey, well-known uh, 
you know, you're a national team player, uh, played in Europe, played a little bit in the States. And uh, so he has a bit of, of name recognition for people that follow soccer beyond the USL or, you know, not in the USL. So through nine games, uh, they're averaging less than a, a point per game. Again, four points through nine matches. Uh, they've, they've looked just actually lost i i don't know where this team goes from here you're bringing a coach who again has a little bit of of name recognition but doesn't know the usl at all after getting rid of a guy who had the connections at the local colleges and universities to to find those diamonds in the rough that a team let's be honest now a team like charleston's gonna need to get those type of players the riverhounds have to get those type of players hartford has to get those those type of players they're not going to attract a lot of the top free agents they're not going to be an attractive spot for for guys coming down from MLS or whatever. You're, you're going to need to find uh, the Tommy V's and and the Robbie Vincents and the things like that. Now, ironically, Anheuser had a chance to, to sign to, uh, Tommy V and then thought he wasn't worth an international spot. And then he, he falls to Pittsburgh. The story is is pretty well known from there. And so right now, to me, Charleston is a team going backwards between. Losing their stadium, which was the first, you know, uh, soccer-specific stadium in the United States, um, parting ways with their coach, uh, who was with the organization for over 20 years, which has—that's a guy who's seen a lot of clubs in the USL form and fold while he kept the same job or stayed with the same organization, and so now they're known for uh, not being very good, and their big contribution this offseason was new kits. They're now uh, dubbed the Piscuits. So welcome, Charleston Battery. Uh, you're taking steps backwards. And as a fan of an, an old guard club, I, I want you to do better. So please, start doing better. Boom, that's it. No, nothing. Feel free. Yeah. This is a Wendy's. Send oh. rant. Fair enough. I was let your monologue breathe a little bit. Yeah. Um, look, you could even take those four points they have and subtract at least two because they also benefited from a early red and a game one season opener, right? Uh, Tulsa got a red. Charleston, uh, Charleston got one before the red. I'll give them that credit. But uh, Tulsa, who's proven that they um, uh, that they can get squirrely on offense, probably could have brought this back to a draw if they had uh, all eleven uh, players. So. Um, uh, maybe a little bit of an asterisk there. I mean, look, what's funny is you look at the, you look at their form and it's all red except for that green and the one yellow blip is where Louisville could not find a second goal to beat them. Um, and look, Louisville finally uh, took the L. So I, I guess um, you know this is. But for a while, like the, this little one-one against Charleston was the biggest blemish on Louisville's uh, sc- uh, schedule. Yet it's like the biggest highlight on Charleston's schedule. Uh, but this is uh, Charleston is a team that I look to. Like every time the lines come out, I'm like, what's the line against Charleston? Can I fade them? Because they are not good. Yeah, and I, I just I don't know. I the clubs like this, like the ones I just mentioned, they're off the they're off the for lack of a better, it's kind of a lazy expression. They hit the money ball to a certain degree, even in the USL when Tampa's going to spend some cash and Tampa and uh, Louisville's going to spend some cash and Miami's going to spend some cash, although they don't know how to spend it wisely, and. Any clubs that are going to come in are going to be probably be more spenders than not. So I just 
I just I don't see where this was the 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 right path going forward in terms of uh, getting someone in there. If even if you're choosing to to move on from Anheuser, which is fine, I don't like it, but you do it. But we're gonna bring in someone who has no experience in the league, and and I think they're gonna struggle for a while. Even though at first I thought you saw some of the names that came in, I thought, all right, they're putting some pieces together. They got a shot at, and it's just, it's not happened at all. So. That's my biggest takeaway after 10 weeks of the season. Just as Logan said, battery sucks, but I'm more upset about it. Uh, the only the only thing I would say, if you take the... Um, I would consider Monterey Bay, Atlanta, Charleston, and New York to be the four lowest quality teams at the moment. And uh, Charleston... Oh, it's really tough between. Uh, I think Bonnery Bay might have found something now that they uh, that they have a uh, a home field to call their own. Um, but Charleston, New York, I might make Charleston a like a one cent favorite. Like I I think Charleston can create opportunities that maybe Atlanta and New York uh, struggle with uh, too. So, uh, but overall, I yeah, that Charleston may be they're they're definitely the most disappointing team in the league. To your point. Yeah, Logan, any final thoughts on, on the league 10 weeks in? Getting some head shakes. So. I point out that uh, we had thought that Tulsa was good at the time that we played them, at least kind of good. And since we've beaten them, I believe they have seven straight losses. They're not good. <laughs> but even They're, even preseason, I, I, a lot of people had them as, as a playoff team, which I, I thought was – now, for as bad as I got the, the well, Charleston pick wrong, I, I was also big on them not being good. So. Seven teams have to make the playoffs. Like you, most teams, most people had like four in the top four, or maybe five, and you know. Can there's, I, um, there's three sorry. two teams, and then pick somebody else. One of them has to be in the playoffs. Uh, since since I, I think I'm going to make it on the podcast, uh, make it on the Houndsy once every ten weeks. Uh, I do want to point out that in the in the season opener, I did say uh, I said uh, after Pittsburgh plays uh, Louisville that they will be the best in the East. And I, while I was not exactly right, uh, Pittsburgh uh, went into that match uh, uh, looking like they um, were, uh, you know in competition for that. So um, I think Pittsburgh is better than uh, if you look at, if you look at uh, future odds, um, you know, I got them at 12 to one at the beginning of the season, they were down to like six or four to four to one uh, going into this past weekend against El Paso. So uh, the market agrees that Pittsburgh is, uh, is maybe better than the market anticipated. So, so yeah, speaking of, of the market, we are 10 weeks in Uh, Tim, what, what have you noticed uh, in the, the sports wagering realm for the USL. What are things that you've you've seen that you've expected? Things that you've seen that have been unexpected. What kind of trends have you been noticing early on that uh, hopefully you and others might be taking advantage of? By the way, Miami getting that late goal against uh, Detroit was huge for me. So uh, the night's already starting off well. Okay, uh, it was big for everyone on you. this podcast for various reasons. <laughs> um, the so I think the most frustrating thing is so last so the I when I I got into betting the USL because of horrible market deficiencies in 
uh, in underdogs, right? Like all the like like la- in the middle like in the middle of summer. I think it was July, maybe last year. Oakland was like an eight to one underdog against Phoenix, and Phoenix was in like rough form. Oakland had finally figured out how to score goals, and I was like, I'm pretty sure Oakland wins this at least once out of eight times. Sure enough, they did. Um, we've only seen two such lines this season in the 10 weeks in, which is disappointing. Uh, I think, uh, Las Vegas was around seven to one against El Paso where they end up winning that goal fest four to three. Um, and then I think there was another, another match where someone opened like eight or nine to one and got immediately bet down to like six to one where it was probably more fair. I can't remember which, which game that was, but, uh, you know, Last year, every weekend, he'd open up the lines and there would be a heavy dog somewhere where you could be like, I, the probability behind the implied probability behind this, uh, this line is incorrect. And it was always worth a flyer because you knew long term it was going to work out. It's not finding him this year. And it's because the, the market is smarter in what it's opening and the market who's be- the, the customers betting into it are also smarter. Uh, lines are moving fast. I mean, I remember uh, just a couple of weeks ago, I opened up one of my apps. I saw I saw a bet that I liked. I went through the login process. And by the time I came back to it, it wasn't a bettable number anymore. I mean, it moved that quickly, um, which is uh, frustrating in its own. Um, I'm getting the bets I want down, which is more surprising. Um, it's uh, it, it used to be, well, not used to be, still is in some books where USL, of course, had lower limits because books weren't confident in their numbers, whatever. Uh, but I'm having no problem uh, getting action down, which is, I think, good when you look at the, uh, for the growth, growth of the league overall. And if you're not into betting, that's actually a good indication that there's people paying attention to this, to the league. And, and that's uh, economically good for everybody. Uh, uh but the one thing, if you're someone who pays a lot of attention to this, lines are moving fast, but they're moving drastically in some directions that are just unwarranted. Uh, you have uh, totals that are opening around two and a half, two point seven five, and by game time, or sometimes between then and game time, they get like fed up to over over three goals. And um, people still, th- I mean, the the average goal count I think in this league is two point seven eight. I think if I looked, if I checked what the weekend's numbers did too, but it's just a tick above uh, two and a half. Um, and so if you pay a lot of, if you pay attention, if you know, if you know how to uh, evaluate these teams qualitatively along with the metrics, a uh, lot of opportunity for unders because, uh, you know, teams, uh, you know, a lot, a lot of these threes aren't, aren't warranted uh, as, as many, as much as the market is, is posting them. Um, and then lastly, something we didn't get last year at all uh, until the playoffs that I know that we got this year. And that was future odds. And that is something I shouldn't say at all. Very few books last year. Um, I think uh, uh, William Hill, maybe in Vegas and like a couple of the places uh, post them. But this year I've seen future odds posted at least three times, including the beginning of the season uh, just recently. And then once in between it's inconsistent. I don't know when they're going to do it. It's the, the Canby books, uh, Barstool, Unibet and uh, Bet Rivers, the ones that uh, that'll that'll have them. But uh, they're bettable. Uh, I am able to <laughs> I'll get limited at one book, but between the three books, I can get the action I, w- I want down. And uh, there's there's value there. And, and again, that shows growth for the league uh, overall. So um, there you go. There's my there's my state of betting the USL 10 weeks in. Are you seeing talk about having all the, the line movement being somewhat significant when um, after it opens? Are I don't even know sure if this is something you're looking at. Are you finding uh, potential arbitrage situations with with line movement? 
Yep, I'm on. Uh, I have an arbitrage in the Memphis match right now. Actually, um, earlier today I got over three goals at plus one ten. Before game time, it was under three goals at plus one ten at another book, and uh, three was the fair that I made. But I knew there was a chance for goals, and uh, when I saw that the arbitrage was available on the under, uh, I took it. Now, the the you know, I, I I have an example from today in which I took it. I very I don't do it often because I believe in my handicap more so than I want to count on arbitrage for you know slim profits. But in games like this where I liked the over, but the arbit the arbitrage was so easy, and uh, you never you know uh, variance can you know midweek variance can can be tricky too. So uh, I decided to take it here to answer your question. Yes, arbitrage opportunities are there if you're paying attention to the market, uh, especially if you can anticipate movement at the market. Which uh, if you're paying attention to certain teams and wh who the market likes, you can do that. But I personally. Um, don't arbitrage often because I trust my handicap and I'd rather just have value in the bet that I get the original bet that I get. And with a, and when the line moves in a way like moves against me, I'll just bet it again because I trust my about my trust my handicap more than I trust the market. So you're, you're doing a lot of that too, where, where you'll, you'll stick with your number, not regardless of how the, the line might move against it. It is the only league. In, this is the only league in which that is true, right? If I, if I bet into EFL league one, and the line moves against me, I leave it. I like, I might even, I try to get off of it if I can, because uh, the market probably knows better than I do. Uh, same with, you know, just about every other uh, league out there. But when it comes to USL, I believe in my, uh, my, my handicap better. Interesting. See, and, and I have not, no, I'll, I'll save that comment for the, uh, what do we learn tonight? So I will, I will not say <laughs> it now. So now I got that in the bag. You three still have to figure something out. By the so way, I have a I have a really I have a very good bet in this Birmingham match. I'm not going to say what it is yet because uh, I think it's coming up. But uh, I like my I like where I'm at right I now. Flip the, flip the page to the back here, see if I can see what it is. Oh no, never mind. I'll oh my it. god, I I I thought I almost jinxed myself because I think that bet uh, that bet almost like I was about to lose seconds after I said something. All right, let's move on before I jinx this. Yeah, let's move on, and the Hounds are going to move on to to Tampa Bay uh, this Saturday, heading on down to the. Uh, to the good old FLA, 7.30 kickoff down at the Owl Lane Stadium. We're having a watch party at Bulldog. We'll discuss that a little bit more here at the end of the show. So Tampa Bay, they are 4-3-4, and four, fifth place so far out, out of the East. Uh, the Hounds are 4-3-4 uh, four, and four against Tampa all time, but they are 1-2-2 two, and two when they travel down the Owl Lane. Uh, the, to me, the headline of... Of the Tampa Bay Rowdies is that they lost Forrest Lasso. They lost Evan Loro. That's your USL defender. That your USL goalkeeper. Those pieces have not been replaced completely, at least so far. And then everyone's one of everyone's favorite former Riverhound, Stephen Dos Santos, is still down in Tampa. So we have some some high probability of some Dos Santos on Dos Santos violence this weekend, which is going to make everyone a little bit happy. Uh, yeah. What, uh, what's your, your top line thoughts on, on Tampa Bay? Uh, player to watch probably most is Jake LaCava. He leads the team with five goals, only one behind our dear Dane Kelly. Um, we've seen his name a lot cause he's played for the second Red Bulls team a lot the last couple of years. And we played them like five times a year during COVID era. Um, the other guy would probably be this, uh, besides Dos Santos, probably this Sebastian Guenzati, who the league kind of makes a big, made a big deal about at the beginning of the year. Um, 
He has the most goals in the league over the last three seasons, but he only has one this year. He's, he's struggled a bit. And it's not for lack of trying because he leads the team in shots, but he, he seems to be a little uh, – seems to have a bit of a cold streak going on this year. Um, so those are the two guys up top I'm probably going to hear a lot about over the broadcast the most, I think. Logan, what the, what's Pete Richards going to do this Saturday? Uh, I, I would have absolutely no – confidence in, in the hounds after their performance the last couple of years down in Alang, except for that big three one win last year two, um two, two, two one um yeah i know tommy tommy williams but that stands out to me um so th- they've shown that they can win um a really 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 good team in tampa bay shit kicked phoenix last week sunday 10 o'clock in phoenix uh incredibly impressive how bad they, they did them uh, that might have been partly Phoenix, but anytime at, at this level you beat a team that bad, uh, you know you're, you're doing something right. And uh, they had a couple offsides calls that could have could have went their way, and it could have been even worse. So uh, super hot, uh, like Yak said. How do you pronounce his name? Gunzadi. Is that it? Gunzadi uh, was my attempt. Gunzadi. Uh, he's always been been their guy. Uh, super slow start to the season, like Yak said, one goal. Um, but they always they always have have. Uh, always have guys that are dangerous. Dube is always, you know, as, as we know, uh, always, always dangerous anytime he's out there. So uh, hoping for a really good game Would love a, like a nice hounds two one victory that they really dug their claws in uh, and kind of showed what, showed what they were worth. I think this is uh, hounds second big test of the season. First was Louisville, which they got a giant F uh, F in did not pass. Um, so second test of the season on the road, you know, kind of familiar confines for a lot of these guys, uh, you know, down there and, uh, a team historically, uh, just as, as historically rich as the Hounds. So hoping for a really good matchup. Yeah. You talked about the, uh, yeah, that the Phoenix tip peeling from a couple of days ago to me, that's their only, that's their only big win of the year is that is this past week. Besides that, they've, they've drawn sugar free and they've drawn the Hartford of all teams. They have a loss to uh, to their in-state uh, rivals of the Miami. Uh, Tim, what, what what's the book on on Tampa telling you so far? Is it a yeah, team we haven't uh, really do we know enough about them or you know, what's so, the, what do you got? Uh, this team is look. I know there's probably gonna be a lot of pundits or whoever around the league be like, "Oh, Tampa's back." Here they are. Well, let me let me let me run through Tampa starting with April 20th when they lost to Orlando City in the Open Cup. Orlando eliminates them from the Open Cup on the 20th. And uh, on the 23rd, they go into New York and can only get one point. They go into Memphis and get beat 3-1. They host San Diego and lose a goal fest 3-2. Then, that was on April 30th. They do not play another match until May 16. They had two weeks to prepare for a Phoenix team that uh, had just got done uh, beating San Antonio 3-0 and then uh, losing to Sacramento. And then they come into this with a big win and a disappointing loss. And uh, this was probably a little bit more. This was both Phoenix, I think, um, maybe uh, being vulnerable. I mean, they were giving a lot of turnovers in the midfield, which um, was not helping them. But Tampa had two weeks to prepare for this match, right? Uh, and they were they were well-rested and... I, I I think Pittsburgh uh, is the is it, it, I think they're definitely the better team here. Uh, I think that Tampa Bay does not have. I mean, look at their look what they've done at home so far. Two nil uh, in the. Uh, you've already gone through it. I don't know why I'm, I'm about to repeat it, but um, they they have not done anything impressive at home. 
uh, Indy 11, uh, that win looks better now than if, than it did then. But you can't even say that because that was still an Indy 11 that was that was uh, trying to meld and, and get that, that system going. So uh, I like Pittsburgh here. I think you're going to see your two win, uh, uh, your two or your two one win. And uh, I am looking forward to uh, probably being on Pittsburgh in this match. Beautiful. Uh, going into that, uh, Tim, I believe on the rundown, this is have, was this your question you've you've posed in here? Mine actually. Oh, this is yours, Jack. Yes. You Want to share with the classroom? So the three, the next three games coming up for the Hounds is at Tampa, at Miami, and hosting Detroit. Um, all three teams in the top half of the East. One team honored honored uh, at our heels. The other two teams, we probably expected to be higher at the beginning of the year. It's a tough three weeks. How many points do you think would you be happy with come after the Detroit game? We would you'd be glad that the Hounds got that many points in the next three weeks. How many you'd be happy with, or how, how many, many would you, you be sad, happy with? Those are two different questions. Expect yes. and happy with, I think, are two different questions. They are different questions. They are. Okay. I, I'll okay. I'll lead. I'll I'll be happy with seven. Uh, I'm expecting six. I'd be happy with six, but I I don't expect six, unfortunately. Well, you, so in in the six scenario, who are you, who are you losing to? I in I didn't have a lot of confidence going into this week's match against Tampa. <laughs> You've given me some some thought that i hadn't quite given uh to it uh just off of your rant now but i i still think we're gonna lose to one of the florida teams i'll say right now i'm still uh, this is me bringing previous personal biases into it uh yeah you were down there with me at uh at ricardo silva stadium for that game in in miami um i I don't know. I, I, to me, I just I have that chalked up as a loss. I think I think yeah. they could take the win at Tampa. Uh, I'm very confident that the Hounds can take care of business home against Detroit. But uh, something about uh, Miami has me concerned for whatever reason. Traveling in this league is so tough, and I, I always give a lot of credence to the home away disparity because we have to go all the way to Florida, like like. It's one thing if you're uh, in a in an upper league and you can you can fly on a on a charter plane, but you got to fly coach. It's it's it, it, it's exhausting. It's it's hard to be a hundred percent when you're going that far. So that's why I don't think we're going to come away with. Uh, we're we're going to drop a game in Florida. I think. I where I am going to agree with you is looking at Miami's schedule, hosting. Pittsburgh is the game they get to focus on uh, coming out of this uh, just in a few days, they have to go into Charleston, which uh, you know, they may be, they actually may be okay with coming out of that one with just a point uh, to go to then come home a week later, uh, host Pittsburgh. And then a week after that, they get to go into Tulsa, which probably isn't concerning them from a game plan standpoint too much. So uh, I am going to agree that if, if you drop, if Pittsburgh drops one, it's going to be in Miami. Um, I'm going to say, though, I mean, I know six points is better than five, but I'm going to say that you get a result in each each of these matches. I think Pittsburgh, uh, I think uh, win, draw, draw is um, is what I would expect. But if there is any game, I mean, 
I mean, you tell me. It, uh, losing obviously in in Las Vegas was embarrassing. Um, losing in Louisville, I'm sure, was upsetting. But I don't know how much. But like the draw in Detroit. Like, I guess of those three matches, which one from a club perspective do you think they want to get the retribution on? Louisville? Louisville. Because it's not the fact that they lost Louisville. It's the fact that we didn't look like we were in the game at all. We we okay. got crushed even if the scoreline was only 2 nothing. Yeah. Yeah, okay. I agree. Because it was, it was the absolute – it was, it was a, a no-show performance. So I think you have to – something to account for that. So seeing seeing how good Detroit is, I'm curious from from a fan perspective, like are you satisfied with just getting a one like a draw results from that match, knowing how good they are, or or are you like the rest of the league where like we need to put this team in their place, like they're getting a little too mouthy on on their on their performances here? Because I think that's what's interesting about Detroit matches specifically. Is I'm curious how clubs are not just preparing from a, from a game plan standpoint, but like who is taking a, taking some of this chatter to heart and wanting to, um, you know, let the Northern Guard uh, know that their uh, resume may not be as, as strong as uh, they think it is. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure that Bob... <clears throat> you all right? <laughs> Just dying a little bit, apparently. Ooh. I was going to say, do I need to call an ambulance for you? What's your address? Ooh, <laughs> ooh, ooh. Let me get a sip of uh, this beverage here. Let me clear my throat here. Wow. But you know what I mean? So, like, so Detroit, um, you know, we keep, I mean, I would anticipate, uh, like I said, I think three, uh, three points, one point, one points is how that's going to, is how I think it's going to go. Um, but Detroit is such an interesting, uh, you know, such an interesting team to to both handicap and sort of think of on how they're being competitive because they are definitely a never say die team that has talent that wants to beat everybody not just to do well but to like prove something but i think you know they were getting chippy after like beating hartford and it's like you don't like your resume has uh like the draws against pittsburgh and memphis in detroit or like were like the two strong points at that and i really i really enjoyed detroit but i was even getting annoyed sort of by the like we'll take on everybody and beat you attitude um they that in my opinion they put their money where their mouth was against louisville i thought they played really well and that they I think they played a lot better than people anticipated them to but in the end still didn't get the result uh so i'm just always i'm curious on how fans are looking at these detroit matches not just from a getting a result and points, but also like the sort of the competition of rep- reputation and, and, you know, maybe a little, little trash talking. We'll get to that first. Uh, Logan, Logan saying his phone might be dying here any second. So Logan, uh, uh, points expected points. What's your expectation? What's your hope? Uh, I don't think nine's out of the question. Why not? Uh, I'll be a little bit different than, than you guys. Um, I think realistically. Yeah. Um, maybe four points out of the Florida trips, ambitious. Uh, uh, but yeah, you know, made some good points, but why not nine? Tim told us, you know, Rowdy's, uh, you know, are a beatable team. Miami. I feel like the hounds have some retribution against them. Uh, you know, blew a two nothing lead last year at home. Um, I feel like the other, other game at home was, was also in hand for the hounds. They blew uh, the game blew in the, Miami too. Well, blew the, the game in Miami and then whatever the hell that, that shit fuck was, <laughs> uh, in October. So, I think that they have a lot going on. Um, that's a team that I think that 
that Bob especially is going to want to put the put to bed. Um, and then Detroit at home, that's kind of a. I mean, obviously, yeah, you want your three, but uh, it's interesting. Um, I think we still don't really know if Detroit is for real or if this is some sort of, uh, you know, uh, organic high. You know, this just is kind of a beginner's luck mixed with, uh, you know, all, you know, the support of their, their fans. Um, and they're going to taper off. So who knows, uh, that Pittsburgh, that game in Pittsburgh is going to be pretty insane. I imagine NGS traveling pretty well. So, uh, I think the boys will, will be pretty hyped up for that as well. Uh, so we'll see. I, I mean, I, I don't think nine's out of the question for sure. Uh, and you know, unlikely yes, but improbable. No, no, it's certainly not improbable. Now the thing with the Detroit game that we're, I mean, we're all clearly amped for it and are probably making a bigger deal out of it than we then we should, especially because the more we make a big deal of it, the more that feeds into the the, the Detroit narrative that they're, they're always a big game. So tamper that down a little bit. But I don't think Bob gives a damn about all that. And so, you know, Bob is going to – he's going to do his thing regardless of outside noise or anything like, anything like that. Clearly, will a bunch of people travel to an away game and then he puts out some, some very – you know, rotated side. Um, so, you know, I I have no thoughts that Bob really gives a damn about anything uh, outside noise-wise in terms of, of what he's going to do or, or how he's going to prepare a team for a certain game. Um, now for the rest of us, yeah, that Detroit game is, uh, it's a big one. Um, there's just there's just no way around it. We could all sit here and, and act like it's another game. I Everything we've been putting out online is is tried not to make it sound like it's a, like, hey, let's get a lot of people out to this game for no particular reason just because it's going to be a nice game in June. When the truth is, it's it's the Detroit game, and we're all getting we're getting a little amped for it. So, sadly, it is what it is. We're kind of falling into their trap a little bit. So if that is uh, that's going to kind of wrap up our thoughts on on Tampa, on the next three weeks in general, and then in the league. So I guess it's time for uh, for Logan's uh, favorite segment of the of the show because he invented it and still hasn't given it a proper name. Uh, I think this week we're just going to call it the midweek wagering rip around. Whipper, I like whip around. That's kind of a fun word. So we've all taken games that uh, that are taking place tonight. Which means by the time you hear this, uh, it's going to be too late to jump on the action with us. But that's how we like to do it around here. And uh, Storino is not with us tonight because you haven't heard his voice by now. Uh, so we're going to give, tell you what he had. He had El Paso at uh, the my line for one unit at minus 130. And then Birmingham getting the first goal. That was also one unit at minus 265. And then Vesti, uh, he is on the Memphis, uh, Memphis to win one unit at Minus one forty-five, uh, Logan. While we still have, uh, you still have some some battery left in your device. Uh, what'd you take this week? Uh, sorry if the the sound quality is gonna lack here. You guys still hear me? Yep, you're there. Yes. Uh, I had Seattle money line two units. I think it was plus one forty-five. One eighty-five. One eighty-five. Yeah. One eighty-five. All right. I think they're up one nothing right now too. So beautiful. Yak. What what'd you got? So I had Vegas to get a result in Birmingham uh, for one unit at plus 175, and I had not both teams to score but in the Memphis-LA game at one unit for plus 160. After about 
in our both of those results are looking decent and are still possible. So uh, please, so far. Beautiful. I um, along with um, with what you had there, Yak, the uh, the Vegas uh, double chance with the draw. Uh, I was also on that. That's why I took it two units for plus one seventy five and seventy minutes into it, it's looking good because it uh, it's a nil nil contest. So that's that's looking fine for me. Uh, Tim, what uh, what's your nodule eye glancing at uh, tonight? Uh, what did I take? Um, I have Birmingham. I have Birmingham under one and a half goals at plus one thirty. I also took them uh, to to score zero goals at four to one. No, five. Sorry, uh, plus five fifty is what I got Birmingham on. Uh, Las Vegas defense is sneaky good um, through luck, but still kind of sneaky good. Uh, and then Detroit's um, under half a goal that lost, and then uh, Sacramento under half a goal. Uh, no, sorry, Sacramento uh, to catch a half a goal uh, against El Paso plus one hundred. I think uh, I think Sacramento's being slept on a little bit here. Yeah, and then you uh, did you mention you had, you had Detroit under a half? But that's yeah, that 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 yeah. lost. Okay. It's on the list here, so I just you know. <laughs> We we'll just get it all out. Yeah, yeah, no, That's yeah, I, I, yeah, I had it. Uh, yeah, sorry, I had it. Definitely lost. Yeah. Um, uh, it yeah, lost. I, it lost very early on. They, I thought this. A, a team, a, a team that played four games in twelve days, and uh, they still scored the opening goal. <laughs> yeah. so and then held the lead for ninety-five minutes, or they scored, yeah. they scored seven minutes. So they held the lead for close to ninety minutes, and they get a point out of it. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck them. <sighs> yeah. So on the uh, the Steel Army. Uh, News wrap up here again. Big uh, watch party this Saturday down at Bulldog Pub against uh, Tampa Bay, the aforementioned Tampa Bay Rowdies. That is a t- note. Note. Put this on your calendar. Put this in your your phone. It is a seven thirty kickoff, not a seven o'clock kickoff. Uh, but what that means is if you get down there like you think it's a seven o'clock kickoff, that's another half hour of drinking. You can get in there before the match starts. And that means it's another half hour you have to stay afterwards because the match won't be over till 9.30. Uh, we're talking the Jesse now Bulldog Pub. they got nothing else going on there, down there that night. That means we're going to have all, probably all the TVs going. We're going to have the sound going. It's going to be a good old classic Steel Army watch party. Uh, remember, if you are a, a member, you got your 15% discount on food down there. Yak uh, putting his hands up in celebration of that, I see. Uh, Pride Razor kicking off here in a few weeks, getting ready for for the Pride Razor uh, launch here for June. We're actually gonna have have shoes on next week. He's gonna give us the full rundown, and then we're gonna have that signed up, and we'll have all the other uh, Pride Month stuff going along with it. But he will give us the full rundown of that for for uh, next week. He's already agreed to come on the show, and then uh, after the Miami in a week and a half. The next home game is June 4th, Detroit. We just talked a whole bunch about that game. Uh, and as we said, get the, get the friends, get the family down there. We're going to try to pack the place in. Uh, we already have uh, some insight on how many people Detroit are bringing. And it's going to be, uh, uh, they're not going to be shy about the numbers they bring down here. They're going to be putting them in the top of 101. So kind of where they've been putting away fans pre-COVID. They're going to be back out there. And uh, we gotta gotta make it a little loud. Gotta get a little crazy with it. So uh, invite uh, the friends, the family, the coworkers. Uh, I don't know. 
Anyone else you could think of, we'll get them down there. We'll find a way to get them through the turnstile. We're going to make it a party that day. And from there, we will uh, hopefully launch into a very successful June and, again, uh, make it to a very successful Pride Razor campaign for the Steel Army. So, with that said, we are coming to the uh, the close of today's festivities. We're only an hour and 20 minutes in, into it. Short show. And that takes us into everyone's favorite, what did we learn today? Uh, Yak. We'll start off, kick it off with you. Yak, what did you learn today? I learned the gambling term arbitrage. I had no idea about it before, and... I learned something new today. Thank you, Tim. Did you quit? Did you look up Very what welcome. it means yet, or just hear the phrase? I think Tim. I think Tim explained what it is. It's uh, it's when the betting line moves, you can kind of get both sides of it and just win automatically. Yes, that's essentially what it is. Is using, yeah. Yak using is good on the contest that clues. You have a, yeah, guaranteed profit. Yeah. Nice. Uh, Logan, your your phone has not died quite yet. So what uh, what have you learned today? I'm, pl- I'm plugged in, but my sound quality is going to suffer, unfortunately. That's, uh, you sound as bad as I Learned last night. Yeah, learned last night. Bulldog Pub. Uh, don't sleep on it. Uh, I was there 2018, 2019. Um, my very first time for a Premier League game. I was the only people in it. Uh, just kind of, obviously, for that weird vibe. Uh, never really gave it, you know, much thought. We made it our own bar. Never been back. Was there last night for a Steel Army board meeting. Uh just blown away uh excellent food excellent beerless great vibe uh the waitress she was fantastic uh great little spot they have a little dog park actually inside their little uh outdoor beer garden they got going on um great 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 spot um i know you hear that a lot from the army people but um as somebody who was a little bit skeptical about it uh going in basically first time last night uh really 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 delivered i'm just wonderful to see bulldog oh my goodness Sorry. I'm sweating this burning in match. I'm so sorry. <laughs> still, still, one still, no, no. This bulldog pub like lost against us. Yeah, I, yeah, it's it, and the, the people are super, people are super cool. Um, all eight of us kind of crowded around one of those picnic tables last night on the back. They had trivia night. Um, you know, we all ordered some food for the table. Uh, it was a, a really, really, really good night. Yeah, I had friends that lived a couple doors down from Bulldog, and they they spoke it up highly. Uh, sadly, they they moved uh, a little further away from uh, from Bulldog, but so I heard of it before we got connected with it through Steel Army. Um, but yeah, uh, everything I was told leading up to it is true. Solid place. I've I've yet to have a, have a bad experience there, even on the times when it's been been absolutely jam packed. They uh, they find a way to get a beer in your hand pretty fast, which is always appreciated. Uh, Mr. Lawson, I know you, you spread a so, lot of good information this tonight, but is there anything you actually learned? Uh, yes. First of all, thank you. Uh, thank you for having me. And, um, I apologize to your listeners that have listened this far along and to Logan's phone battery that I, uh, had, that I talked as much as I did today, but I get so excited to talk to people about this. I didn't learn this tonight. Uh, but in spirit of the podcast, um, I am a I am a look. There, I've I have very little allegiance to sports franchises uh, anywhere. But one of the one of the teams that I have uh, loyalty to uh, up until trading Russell Wilson is the Seattle Seahawks. So I uh, had a bit of animosity towards the city of Pittsburgh for quite a while after uh, the heartbreaking loss in the Super Bowl. Uh, and just the 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 twenty four hours I spent in Pittsburgh really turned. Uh, to, like I, I, I still don't, uh, you know, love Pittsburgh uh, Steelers as a franchise, but the city of Pittsburgh, uh, Highmark, the Riverhounds, 
we we really enjoyed we we uh we walked around the park that's there at the point of the of the rivers and uh that was beautiful uh pittsburgh definitely a city that i look forward to uh visiting again we didn't get a chance to do some of the things we were hoping to get like late checkout or whatever it ended up working so like we didn't get to do some of the uh touristy stuff that we wanted to do so i can promise you that we'll be back and uh, i will make sure that it aligns with a uh, another trip to Highmark Stadium, uh, maybe even for even for a playoff match. Um, uh, yeah, yeah, because um, I think oh my goodness, Vegas is coming so close. Um, uh, <laughs> I think, uh, and in closing, I think uh, I think Pittsburgh is the second best team in the East, um, despite how good some of these other teams in the East. What's interesting about uh, about about the USL right now is what well, I think the depth of good of talent is deeper in the West, but I think. Uh, the East is more top heavy on like who who is like legitimately good good. So, so that Thanks means if me. you're coming back, that means uh, the better wife also had a pleasant trip to the four one two, and and she will um, she'll be okay with uh, for making this trip again as well. Or yes, I think she. I mean, she enjoys sporting events uh, in general, but with the Pittsburgh skyline as the backdrop, I think she just absolutely adored that entire. Uh, and, and like, and the weather couldn't have been better either, right? The temperature was perfect. We didn't hear field drop of rain. Uh, it was great. For as for as sketchy well, as the, the weather, well, the jello shots on deck. <laughs> Wait, so we'll, yes, we'll have we'll have plenty of jello shots. You can put in a request for specific flavors. We'll talk to Maria. She can make it happen. Uh, she's just a whiz. <laughs> Give her some jello, some little plastic cups, and some alcohol, and she makes uh, she makes things happen. What can I say? Uh, the one I, I grabbed one right and there's like there's there's uh you know letters on the top of it and mine said p plus cr and i was like what is this she looked at it she's like oh uh peach and crown royal it's like oh great and then i ate i, I ate the joe shot and i was like i think she means crown royal <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't, i'm not sure where the peach comes from oh uh, i got most of what i got was crown royal <laughs> yeah your when you took that your first question to me was do you ever go into these games sober and i was like am i supposed to be offended like i drank a lot or something like that i didn't realize that oh yes the joe shots are, are very strong i we're just so used to them being strong because we've had them for whatever five years. six seven years yeah. yes that you don't even recognize it yeah uh, she goes heavy on the booze i, I I will say, looking look at just a brief look at the schedule. I will say, uh, if I was a circle one on the uh, Pittsburgh Riverhound schedule, that I would like to see Memphis uh, going to Pittsburgh. That's going to be a really good game. I'd want to be there for that. Yeah, now that we know that Memphis is legit. After that, uh, again, yeah. I think the, the Hounds were, were gracious to get them on week one, and and the red card helped out. And getting out of a baseball field with all the points is always a good thing. Uh, I will say what I learned this week, and I am ashamed that I never thought of it. Going back to Yaks learning what arbitrage is, uh, as much as I've looked at arbitrage opportunities around different sports, I've never considered trying to arbitrage USL uh, once the line moves because the line previously never moved that much to, to justify a look at it. And putting the piece together, yes, the, there has been significant line movement, and I just never thought, hey, that might lead to uh, to a look an opportunity here so that is what i learned today and i appreciate you spreading that knowledge on me there tim it uh it will make me a better person kind of hopefully maybe guys any any last thoughts before we wrap this thing up uh logan final thoughts don't oh my goodness sorry <laughs> this is so unprofessional sorry i'm like i'm, I'm emoting who said who said anything about this podcast is professional tim <laughs> I'm just too hard for Nairobi. This podcast, Houndsy and Professional are never going to appear in a second. Uh, an unprofessional joke of a podcast. It's Houndsy. It's in the it's yeah. in the name, basically. 
<laughs> nothing, nothing from me. Yeah, final thoughts. I got nothing. Tim, Go final Lins. thoughts. They're, 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 they're knocking on the door against the LA Galaxy right now. Oh. Now everyone's just glued to a TV here as we as we get close to 90 minutes into the podcast. <laughs> Yeah, Tim, final thoughts for this. Uh, uh, final thoughts. Uh, I have ten minutes for this. Uh, Birmingham under half a goal to to cash, and yeah. Vegas uh, cannot let me down here. Again, sneaky. Cool. By the way, Las Vegas has only conceded one goal in like their last like six matches. So we their will defenses. We will take this thing home so everyone can can catch the last few minutes of whatever games they're trying to watch. We would like to thank the beautiful game. Network. Memphis has scored a fifth goal though. <laughs> Beautiful. Memphis is now five. five I don't think that changes anyone's action on this on tonight at all. But it no. No. Remember LA Galaxy? Who they just? Who Galaxy just beat? Louisville. Louisville. That's right. Louisville. Uh, Louisville. Yeah. Louisville. Uh, We'd like to thank the beautiful game network for providing the online hosting of Houndsy. Check out the wealth of soccer content being produced weekly at bgn.fm. The Houndsy theme music was composed and performed by Rocketman and the Space Babies. Check them out at facebook.com slash spacebabiespgh. The show is produced by Joe Majorak. Email the show at stillarmypgh at gmail.com. Put podcasts in the subject line. All complaints about the show can be sent to nick.noble at mail.wvu.edu. Thank you for listening, and we'll be back again soon.